Hi, I'm Gareth Kane. Welcome to the Net Zero Business Podcast. Okay, so today I've got Karen Crefield from from Medical Practice here. Karen is a managing partner at the practice, and I first met her about two years ago on a project I was doing with the National Health Service, and I was very taken with her obvious enthusiasm. I think enthusiasm is probably an understatement for sustainability and what the medical practice had achieved. So I, I thought it would be very interesting to get her along for this interview and, and dig into some of those details. Uh, before she uh, took the position at Froome Medical Practice, she was head of sport at uh, University of Sussex. So I suppose my first question is how, you know, with this the background you have, how did you get so interested in sustainability and in particular net zero? So I guess, well, I've been in primary care for just over six years now following on from my career at the university. And I guess that's a question I get asked an awful lot is how did the journey start at free medical practice? And I often tell the story of a busy morning, sat at my desk, um, usual chaos that happens in primary care, phones are ringing, everybody's really busy. And one of my GPs called Dr. Rebecca Hall actually came into the room and just put a crumpled piece of paper on my desk saying, really directly, we have to do this. And she walked out. <laughs> and um, if, if you've ever met Rebecca Hall, and lots of people in the um, medical profession will have, you'll know she's a force to be reckoned with. She's a great advocate for everything sustainability. And um, it was quite a little bit of time later that I actually got to the crumpled piece of paper. And when I read it, it was um, an invitation to um, join the Green Impact Toolkit for Health, which is run by the Royal College of General Practitioners. And as I started reading it, um, it was quite interesting for me because it was quite familiar territory. So back at my job in Sussex, the um, the student union, National Union of Students, had set up the Green Impact for Toolkit, especially for the university sector. So what was really interesting for me being in a completely new environment in primary care was to see how it had been adapted for primary care. And it was basically the same toolkit, but with lots of really, really interesting add-ons. So that really sparked my interest. It really showed me the depth of um, things that we could do in primary care. And I think probably the journey really started from there. I mean, obviously, I had a strong interest in it anyway, but, you know, with particular interest in primary care, it it was like a roadmap of, you know, well, what are we going to do to actually start making some change? That's fascinating because everybody I've ever spoken to or interviewed for, for, for my various books, there always seems to be one little moment that they can mm-hmm. pin down where it went from a yeah. sort of general interest to this uh, to, to passion and action. And I suppose that that crumpled piece of paper seems to be yours. <laughs> yeah, it definitely was quite a defining moment is when I really remember. And yeah, yeah, that was where the journey started. And I literally just sat down with a colleague next to me, also very interested in sustainability. And to start with, we just started very quietly working on the toolkit, working out what we were already doing, working out what the easy wins were. And yeah, it went from there, really. So leaving aside, obviously, the personal passion of your of your colleague and, and yourself, what are the drivers? What are the pressures on the medical practice to, to start embracing the environmental agenda? I think they're one and the same. I mean, that's been one of my biggest learnings is, you know, everything we're doing to improve health, to prevent illness, to make systems more sustainable and more efficient, they're all exactly the same things we're doing 
to improve our environmental impact. I mean, for me, they're one and the same. We have a saying that we often use in Froome, which is, if it's good for you, it's good for the planet. So, I mean, if you're in healthcare, I mean, it should be at the heart of what you're doing from my perspective. So, Brilliant, thanks. But um, sort of organisationally, yeah. uh, obviously you're part of the NHS and the NHS has set targets. Not wanting to put too many words into your mouth, but is that a core organisational driver or are there other issues as well? Uh, you know, obviously you've mentioned the, the, the well-being of patients is linked to sustainability, uh, but I'm, I'm interested in, in some of the other issues as well. Well, I guess if you look at NHS emissions overall, only tw- about 20% of those are to do with the estate. The other 80% is to do with patient care pathways and models of care. So if we can keep people out of hospital, we're reducing emissions. If we can start reducing blood tests, we're going to reduce admissions, emissions rather. So all the things that we do for patients on a day-to-day basis, try and keep them healthy and well, are going to impact on our business. So at the end of the day, you know, the less we see patients, the better for the business in many ways, yeah. because they're keeping <laughs> healthy, they don't need to come in and we can put limited resources into supporting those who really need the care. Mm-hmm. So I think it, it's a much bigger picture. The NHS, as everybody knows, is under huge, huge pressure. We're all struggling to do the best we can with the limited resources we have. But actually, this has to be one of the drivers. And climate climate change is the biggest um, factor going to affect health in the next few years. So, you know, we have to do everything we can collectively to work together. So what are the, you know, you mentioned resources there, but what are the big challenges you face in, you know, addressing uh, climate concerns? I think one of the biggest challenges that we've come on our journey is actually measuring things. Um, So obviously pharmaceuticals, medicines are one of the biggest um, impacts. And it's very difficult to actually quantify that. I mean, we've got great data around things like switching from a metered dose to a dry powder inhaler for asthma care Mm -hmm. but we have very little information on some of the other things so actually for us I think one of the biggest challenges outside of getting everybody engaged was just really how do we start measuring some of this and and I'd say that's an ongoing challenge it's not something we've solved yet. Right thanks and perhaps for the viewers and the uh, outside the you know the medical profession it is said that if you go from a meter dose inhaler to dry powder inhaler as an individual, it's the equivalent of going from a meat being a meat eater to a vegan in, yeah. uh, in climate terms. So that's that's not insignificant at all. And you know, it's this link between healthcare and the environment is very clear. And you mentioned pharmaceuticals as well. So it strikes me that there's some really core issues in you know trying to keep people well and do it with minimal environmental impact. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all our nurses will tell you that if you're able to use a dry powder inhaler well, then actually that's a better option for your health than mm-hmm. using a metered dose inhaler just on the health benefits. And as you've already said, you know, huge environmental benefits for making the switch. Um, things like reducing polypharmacy, so reducing the number of medications patients are on where possible, offering them alternatives. So we've been doing quite a lot of work around opioid de-prescribing and for us that means you know inviting patients to explore different options that might be attending um, a class to help manage their pain it might be a behavior change class just anything that supports their lifestyle to help them make you know different choices and presumably there's social benefits to steering off opioids as well as we absolutely and it could be opioids you know it could be um, antidepressants 
whole range of medications that we use that if we can try and find you know alternative support and mm-hmm. prevention and, and I think the great thing about the toolkit for me just talk about that again slightly more is you know it really encourages you to look at all that range of things so you know actually having more social prescribing in the system where we're giving you know wider support to patients so many patients come to see the GP but actually you know what they also need is that extra help and signposting. So, so can we delve into social prescribing a bit and um, maybe you could give us an example of how it works? Yep. So um, a patient might um, come to the practice, they might see their GP, they might need some support with bereavement support, as an example. They might need some financial support. They might need um, some support with their housing. So, I mean, that's got a direct environmental impact. So if somebody is suffering from respiratory conditions, they're living in a damp house, then actually, unless we get the damp house resolved, the respiratory conditions aren't going to be improved. So we're able through our social prescribing team to make appropriate referrals and link them to people that can support in those areas. Yeah, it's a much more holistic way, I suppose, of looking at health than just here's a bill. Yeah, 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 absolutely. And we have to do it yeah, collectively and as a community as well. Brilliant. Thanks. What are what are you most proud of then at Frim of your achievements? I think the team. I mean, it's definitely been a team effort. So I think we've got a great team of people. Um it's great now we're attracting people to come because they share some of the values, which is great. I think um what are we most proud of? I mean, we've recently got our second round of national um, lottery funding from the Climate Action Fund. So that's a joint project with Freemtown Council and Adventure, which is a local social enterprise. So that's a joint project to help work towards net zero in Froome and, you know, just really broaden all the work we're doing. And for us, it's been amazing because we've been able to employ two full-time members of staff now who are purely dedicated to sustainability, one of which is just working on evaluation for us. So that's that's been really impactful and really allowed us to start extending the work we're doing and you know working alongside our community which for me is like at the heart of everything we do we you know we can't sit as a medical practice on our own we need to work with others and learn from others and keep moving forward that's an it was interesting just the start of your answer there you you talked and again when we were talking about the drivers on the business you were talking about attracting people into Mm. the business because of what you were doing could you expand on that at all give us some examples of how that manifests itself you know, yes. How do these people know that Froome is particularly good when they're applying for a job, or is it just your reputation? Is it a procedure? Or? Yeah, I think I think reputation is starting to become a big part of that. I, you know, when I interview people, I often ask them, you know, what attracts you to working here, and I'm increasingly um, finding that people are saying, well, I'm really interested in your organisational values. I'm interested in sustainability. You know, that's a big driver for me applying for the job. So, yeah, that's definitely, and that, yeah, and that obviously is really important at the moment I mean trying to recruit in primary care is is a challenge so to know that that's um, a selling point for us is also you know it helps build on what we're doing yeah and it's particularly interesting because obviously people going into medicine you know it's not an easy Thank job you. route uh, and it's a, people tend to go in with the passion of wanting to make you know people healthier but it's interesting that that factor of sustainability the sort of wider issues can appeal to them as well on top of that primary focus of you know of concern for people's health 
Yeah, and also their own well-being. I think that's something we've got to take more and more seriously is encouraging our staff to look after themselves, to be in a healthy environment. So one of the really great things that we did post-COVID is we built 12 um, well-being beds. Mm -hmm. So um, we've got a hot composting system. So we recycle all our food waste and staff get to grow vegetables, get together in teams outside of, you know, work time. And yeah, that's been a really successful project, which is focusing on staff well-being. Yes. And we've just been working with an organization called Out in the Field um, to do some nature-based work with staff, again, fixed on well-being. So I think that's all very much part of it, because if you're embodying those principles yourself, you're more likely to promote them to patients. Yeah, I can see how then your reputation is a good place to work with Extend. If, you know, if you have, if it's not just, you know, going into anonymous building and for so many hours and then coming back out again, you've got these sort of extracurricular activities going on as well. Very hands-on. Yeah. Is that part yeah. of the reason why you went down the, the composting and uh, gardening route? Yeah, I'm very lucky. I've got a, um, a digital transformation manager who's passionate about gardening and passionate about um, composting. So it it was something that he very much led on and it's 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 grown it's attracted interest our landlord was very generous and sponsored the hot composting for us and you know again we've you know what we're trying to do now is have patient information screens you can see out through we've got very light building you can see out the window so people can see what's going on and trying to share you know what's in season what they can do and just try and encourage you know change on a a wider scale as well with that yeah it's fascinating so Anything else you've done in terms of employee engagement or patient engagement in sustainability? Because, you know, as a, as a practitioner, one of the biggest challenges we always find is, you know, getting people properly engaged in it so they make different decisions to, to what they normally would under business as usual. Or, you know, users like patients who you don't have so much direct control over. So, you know, I was just wondering if you had any insights or achievements in, in, in that front and actually, you know, how you engage beyond the, the gardening and the composting. Yeah. So I think yeah. for me, one of the big changes was when we re-looked at our values as an organisation. So really making sustainability one of our core values was a good starting point. So I think what we try and do is make sure that, you know, that thread is through everything we do. So maybe some good examples might be if we reward staff with some thank you vouchers, say at Christmas, then we make sure those vouchers come off for you know, local organisations. They might be for an organic veg box. They might be for, you know, our plastic free shop that's um, just down the road from us. So we try and, you know, give choice to our staff when they're yeah. choosing those vouchers but we make sure that you know they're all sustainable so that key message is going forward we you know we have um we only provide vegetarian lunches we you know if we're um if we've got visitors to the practice you know things like making sure we have fair trade tea and coffee available all the time so it's those small things that we try and you know try and yeah. change habits and minds with and i guess we do a lot of social media for patients um, we encourage that park run. We've got a great um, exercise field at the back of the practice. So we're a park run practice. You know, for staff, we promote couch to 5K programs. So it's just, you know, constant, slow messaging and, you know, doing all we can 
to um, encourage lifestyle changes. So, you know, a patient might come and, you know, our GPs can refer them to a six-week lifestyle course, for example. And we're not directly saying to patients, oh, this is great for the environment. We're saying this is good for you, but actually yeah. it's great for the environment at the same time. And I think for me, that's part of the messaging is, is recognising that all that we do for patients can possibly be done in a more sustainable way. If we get our um, our recall system right, for example, then a patient might be coming in for one blood test for three things rather than coming in for three separate visits for three different blood tests. So it's yeah. it's sort of going back to what I said earlier about efficiencies as well. So a couple of things I'm picking up from what you're saying is consistency and particularly consistency at the sort of contact points. So something yeah. as simple as tea and coffee that you know people know that you're thinking this through all yeah. the, and getting the details right i suppose as well as the the big things would that be fair to say yep yeah, i think we've tried really really hard on that we're always finding small things we can improve we've just changed our badge supplier for example and we've gone for you know a b corp badge supplier so we know that our procurement's coming from a good place and yeah, it's just constant small evolutions to make sure we're walking our talk, I guess, as best we can in a yeah. complex world. Which for a, a sort of public facing organisation, I would have thought was very important. Yeah. OK, just I suppose to finish up, if you were talking to somebody who was starting off on this journey the way you were uh, when you joined, what would your first piece of advice be to them? I think my first piece of advice would to be to do this as a team. It's yeah. very difficult to do this work solo. So just find as many like minds as you can and work on it collectively. I think it's my first piece of advice. I think I've had a second piece of advice. And I often get challenged when I talk to other practice managers. It's like, we don't have time. Primary care is too busy. And I always say to people, actually, you know, you just need to change your mindset. Yeah. Because it doesn't take more time to think differently. And I think that's what we've got to be encouraging more of. Well, I like that. It doesn't it doesn't take more time to think differently. <laughs> we'll definitely we'll definitely be quoting that one. That's great. Okay, Karen, thank you very much for that. And um I hope everybody got some great insights into uh delivering sustainability in what's a as as Karen says, a very, a very busy workplace. So thank you very much. Great. Thank you for inviting me. If you find this episode of the podcast interesting, please do me two wee favours. First of all, give it a five-star rating to help others find it as well. And secondly, subscribe via your usual podcast provider so you'll get every episode into the future. Until next time, goodbye. <laughs>